entertainment, insights. Don't take life too seriously. Welcome to Brainsky Unleashed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Brainsky Unleashed. Today, I am joined by Tom Fox. He's an author, attorney, and compliance evangelist. I don't really know that many people that are passionate about compliance, but Tom is. And I thought, well, let's see if we can actually make compliance interesting. Uh, he wrote an international bestseller, The Compliance Handbook, as well as 25 other books on uh, business leadership, compliance, uh, corporate governance, and ethics. So welcome to the program, Tom. Uh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. All right. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, opening up, there's not a lot of people who are passionate about uh, topics related to compliance. Where does that come from? Your passion. There is $3 trillion lost annually to the world's economy for bribery and corruption. If you add in money lost through uh, money laundering, illegal money laundering, it's another $2 trillion. So that's $5 trillion lost to the world's economy annually that could be used for other purposes. Uh, in my last corporate position, I learned about corporate compliance, how to build out compliance programs within organizations. Uh, after I left that position, I decided what I really wanted to do with uh, my professional career was help companies put compliance programs in place. Part of that was because I enjoyed building out business processes, but also I get to fight the international scourge of bribery and corruption. And I'm a big believer in using corporate and uh, corporate America and corporations uh, to do good. And it's a way I can do good literally every day. You know, it's, it's funny. Most of us never think about that, but when you're saying $5 trillion, uh, it, that's a lot of money. I mean, that is an obscene amount of money. Now I'm, I'm not good with math, uh, but I would, I, I recall figures. Isn't that, isn't that most of what the United States produces every year? Uh, I think we're significantly above that, but I can't remember our annual G, uh, GDP. Or, or was uh, but, that was that something where it was? Um, God, I, I think at one point, uh, shoot, this goes back a ways. Actually, it goes back a far ways. But I think that was the entire national debt at one point. And and you're saying that that is a loss every year that is stolen. So the 2021 U.S. GDP was 23 trillion. So okay. it's but however you count it, it's real money. That's massive. That is a massive amount. And you're saying that this is a loss every single year from just, you know, basically bribery and theft. Uh, correct. As reported by the United Nations. Okay. Well, that's, that's gross. I need a shower. Okay. So uh, I guess, you know, being as I'm a small business, I think of, of terms, you know, through that lens, you know, what are some of the biggest pain points that like a, a small business owner like myself would need to be aware of when it comes to, you know, I, I guess, compliance? Where do we typically get it wrong? Sure. So where uh, where most people have the challenge in most small businesses, and I will count myself in that category as a small business owner, is uh, what banks face, KYC. Who are you doing business with? No, um, your customer. If, if you and I do business, you and I can run checks on each other relatively easily. We can Google each other. We're both in the United States. We both have a social media presence. We both have a business listing. I'm relatively certain I'm not dealing with a dishonest person based upon the public record that you have. When it gets international, it becomes a little more difficult. And if someone emails me and, and says, we have a big compliance problem, 
and we uh, need your help. And we're going to wire you $50,000 as a retainer to put in your trust fund where it doesn't earn interest. That's not taxed on it. I'm like, Hmm, something's not right here. Um, usually you do a little more research before you wire somebody that kind of money. So it's that sort of thing. Who are you doing business with? Uh, who are your customers? Uh, and when I say doing business, I mean both as a supplier, as a business partner, and as a customer. Those are the really the biggest pain points for people like us. What steps should a small business do to you know better know their customer? Sure. If um, uh, first of all, once again, if we just use ourselves, sure. if we do a business relation, uh, if, if we do a deal, whether it's with a contract, I'm a lawyer, so I'm going to say with a contract. But if we do something and I buy advertising on your podcast network. You give me a price, I wire you the money. Probably that's going to be okay without any further ado. But if I start saying, well, I want to I want to send it not to your account, but another account, or it's going to come from overseas and in an account that doesn't say Tom Fox or my business name. Uh, if it's if if it's something that really raises the hairs on the back of your neck or your stomach twists in a different way, that's probably enough for small business owners to at least ask someone to do some investigation. And, and this is why small business owners should, should reach out to, I guess, an attorney or a compliance evangelist like yourself, correct? Uh, if, if a red flag is raised, it should be cleared. But a red flag is, like I said, the hairs on the back of your neck standing up. Something that's just doesn't feel right, doesn't smell right, or is just unusual for the way you've done business over the past X number of years. What kinds of threats would a small business owner uh, like myself be under if we ignored that the, the little red hair, you know, the, the, the little hairs on, on the back of the neck and, and just proceeded with something? Sure. Well, the penalties for money laundering are actually quite high, and that's up to a 20-year prison term, plus forfeiture of the proceeds. So it can be very, very costly and put a red stain on you and more importantly for others doing business with you going forward. So if you're contacted by someone from Mexico, be a very costly and the same if it's uh, from a country that's uh, with a known high risk of corruption as determined by the Transparency International Annual Corruption Perception Index. Once again, if it's just if it's something unusual, uh, doesn't mean it's wrong. There could be a legitimate business justification. But if you do get that kind of red flag, you just need to have somebody look at it or look at it yourself and satisfy you that there's a legit business reason to do it. Okay. So uh, hypothetically, if if money was being transferred, but still being still utilizing U.S. banks, the U.S. banking system, uh, are you any safer or you still need to just have people look at this? Uh, if it's not that uh, the U.S. banking system is safer, it's what is the source of the money? And then how is it being used after it, after it exits the account? So obviously U.S. banking system, we should have confidence in that. But once it gets in the U.S. banking system, U.S. legal jurisdiction attaches and that puts the recipient, you or me, at risk. Okay. All right. So uh, you founded the Compliance Podcast Network. Uh, what led you to do that and how has it grown since you started it? And, and really for, the, for my listeners, what is it? Greensky Unleashed is powered by ProfitMax. Did you know that 93% of businesses overpay on their taxes? Do you pay too much in taxes? A recent study showed that businesses are overpaying between 34 and 71%. 
Quince Max has proven legal tax strategy solutions to reduce your tax burden. I'm not only a client, but I even join the team to help other business owners just like me pay only their fair share and nothing more. Go to ProfitMax.co. That's ProfitMax.co. ProfitMax.co to find out more. You can even connect with me there, as you should. And I'll help make sure that your tax bill is legally as low as allowed. ProfitMax. Keep your cash. Sure. So I started podcasting in 2012. I was an early adopter. It was a natural extension of my marketing, which at that time was um, largely blogs. I have an active blog site. I still blog every day. Uh, and I'd started writing books. Uh, so I started doing podcasts in 2017. I got the bright idea. Why don't I go around to the top three uh, compliance trade organizations and let's create a consortium or a partnership and we will have, um, uh, we will be the one-stop shop for compliance resources in the podcast format. And um, not that I would ever suggest anything anti-competitive, but we'll corner the market on all advertising. Um, and I could get no one interested. Uh, they just, they didn't have podcasts. They didn't understand the model. And they all said no. So I just said, okay, I'll do it myself. So I plugged along and um, for a couple of years in 2019, I decided that I really had to fully commit to this or move it to hobby status. So I quit practicing law, quit practicing compliance, bought all the cool toys, Mike, you see, and all that stuff. I built this huge network. And at the end of the year, I'd made about $10,000. And I thought, well, you know, that was an interesting experiment. I have to go back to real work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they shut the country down in March of 2020. Well, uh, in May of 2020, I got the same call literally from every product provider in the compliance space. And that call was how long to get access to your network. And it's because all marketing was done in person at trade shows, conferences, breakfast roundtables, those sorts of things in the compliance world. And this is, you know, software products. So product providers, because of the work I'd done in 2019, my answer was the same 24 hours. Uh, because everything was built out and all I needed was something to plug in. And so my little world literally exploded from $5,000 a month to $35,000 a month in one month. And since that time, I've just tried to um, uh, consolidate the growth I've had and, and see where I can take the podcast network. So have you ever considered the phrase, God bless COVID in your life? <laughs> Uh, actually, what I say is when preparation meets opportunity, luck occurs. Okay. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, even, even for me and my business, uh, COVID turned out to be a, a blessing, you know, and most people would never look at COVID as a blessing, but uh, for me, it really was. Not that I want to go back to that because the world suffered tremendously, but uh, it, it wasn't too terrible for me. So, okay. I mean, it, you're absolutely right, though. Uh, I was at the right place at the right time. Because I had no legal work, I literally had nothing else to do. Yeah. So I spent six hours a day on social media, and that um, exploded my little network. I had my first 200,000 download month, um, which for me was huge. I developed multiple new shows, uh, and my wife was working from home as well, so she was beavering away, and you know we'd come out for dinner and watch TV at night, but other than that, I was just sitting at my computer doing nothing but podcast marketing and content creation. So it all sort of lined up and here we are today. 
God, I only wish that if I spent six hours a day on social media, I'd actually get something out of it other than just melting my brain. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's something else that, uh, that I noticed that you kind of dabble in, and that's uh, kind of commenting and, and getting someone involved in, in, in current events. Uh, so I, I'm curious, I mean, now that we have global instability that really kicked in with, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we have China, which is probably going to invade Taiwan. Israel is now at full scale war. In your opinion, are we facing World War III? And uh, what effects do all of this have on businesses here in the U.S.? So as to are we facing World War III, I have to say I hope not. Me I too. hope cooler, cooler heads will prevail. But what I've tried to do in those, I had two podcast series. One was how the Russian invasion of Ukraine changed in business forever. And the second was the coming conflict with China from what's the business response. I try to take a look at those for the business professional. And uh, obviously we had as many changes uh, as possible during COVID or perhaps more accurately, it accelerated changes that were already occurring. And then the Russian invasion for me in the compliance world really put a exclamation mark on it. Because if you'll recall, the most ubiquitous picture of the early part of that invasion was Russian oligarchs' yachts sailing away, trying to get to a port which was not subject to U.S. jurisdiction. That was because of anti-money laundering, but more importantly, export control sanctions the Biden administration put in place. Because if they could catch those yachts, they could seize them and then sell them. And that process is still going on. So it exploded the growth in export control sanctions. Uh, it exploded the growth in anti-corruption uh, issues as well. When you overlay ESG supply chain, um, as well as your customer base, I saw that again with uh, the Chinese, uh, the coming conflict with China, uh, except there in China, we had you know, Westerners, Western business executives have been arrested and detained. So it adds a level of personal uh, safety issues that we don't have in Russia or with Russia because everyone had left Russia largely uh, by the time of the invasion or at least shortly thereafter. So for the business executives, if for any company, if you're doing business in China, what are you going to do if you lose your raw materials? More importantly, what are you going to do if you lose your entire customer base? The U.S. lumber industry's largest single client is the government of China. What are you going to do if you lose your single largest customer? How do you replace that? Do you reshore in America? Do you go to other Asian countries? What's the U.S. lumber industry going to do? And does that lead to a discussion about, well, if there's really a housing crisis, why don't we reshore all that U.S. lumber and build affordable housing? So you can see, you can kind of take it down any rabbit trail you want. And I just have fun exploring those rabbit trails. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting you know, the way that your head is, is kind of calculating through those issues. <clears throat> what would you say is like really good advice for, for any business, large and small facing these things? I mean, it's, it sounds like the takeaway that you're offering is think outside the box and don't just watch the business suffer, but you know, what can be done, you know, here on these shores to, to, to shore you up. Sure. And I guess the message I would have Tom is think, not even think outside the box. And from the compliance perspective, the process you think through is the following. Assess your risks, whatever those risks might be. In the anti-corruption world, it's bribery and corruption. But in the supply chain world, it's do I have a sole source supplier? If so, 
can I replace that supplier? That's what we learned in COVID. What happens if an entire continent is knocked out because of COVID? Um, and then put a risk management strategy in place, whatever that strategy may be. Then monitor that strategy to determine if it's effectiveness or effective or not, and then improve uh, based upon your ongoing monitoring. So I try to encourage corporations to go through that process. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm a little focused on China, or I was until what happened in the Middle East. But the same process for the Middle East holds true as well. But if you're in China, do you really want your senior executives in the country? If not, how are you going to do business in the country? Are you going to have an agent? Are you going to have a distributor? Uh, all of those bring up issues that you need to work through. And can you afford to lose that business or have it nationalized? Just think, think about those issues and be ready and don't be caught unaware. Yeah. Having been to China after the shutdown, immediately after they opened up, I, I had the privilege of actually being uh, on the first commercial flight into China after the shutdown from the United States. I can tell you that uh, absolute sheer hell. It was absolute sheer hell from a, from a human standpoint, just uh, going through the, uh, the bureaucracy uh, to even just simply make it to a hotel room. Uh, I can't imagine from a corruption standpoint what that would look like. Uh, I can't imagine uh, from a standpoint of uh, my company or my operations being nationalized where I no longer have any control over what I've invested into it. So I think that's pretty rock solid advice you have there. So I'm just trying to get people to, uh, it's really not think outside the box. It's just start thinking about, and, and supply chains, an easy example. Like I said, do you have a sole source supplier? Uh, if not, uh, where are you going to get a back backup or secondary? How, how easily can you bring that supplier online? Uh, are you going to have to look at uh, forced labor or human slavery issues? Uh, what about a chemical or a process that is illegal in the United States that might not be illegal in the uh, home country where the product is uh, either mined or manufactured. So lots of different issues. But I just want business executives at the highest level to start thinking about these challenges. So, Tom, if um, if you're a business who's engaging in international trade, which I, immediately opens you know the, the floodgate and the risk factors for uh, possible compliance issues, and they wanted to uh, work with you, how can you be found? Uh, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I'm in LinkedIn, Thomas R. Fox. My website is uh, the Compliance Podcast Network, www.compliancepodcastnetwork.net. Okay. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate it. I think you've given some uh, valuable insight and forced even me to think about things slightly differently. Uh, as, as I know that I continue to go through business on a daily basis with my different companies and you know, I do international uh, transactions at times and uh, you definitely gave me some stuff to chew on. So thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. <laughs>